All right, we'd like to thank you all for coming this evening. Wonderful, wonderful to see you all as we close out the week with Miss Doris. I'm going to let her tell her story, but we're gonna get started uh, in prayer. Remember, this is a week of prayer. We are praying for our sons, our, our fathers, our husbands, our uncles, all the men in our lives that uh, we would take our rightful place to help them to become the men that they are supposed to be according to who God has called them to be. So if we can go ahead and take a moment and bow our heads. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God, for this opportunity to come to you one more time. Pray that this meeting would be all of you and none of us. I pray, Lord, that you would give Miss Doris wisdom, more wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to bring to the listeners that you have already ordained to be here on this evening. So we thank you, oh God, for the message and the word of knowledge that you have already put into her heart to give to the women. I pray that you would just open up her mind and just use her the way that you uh, will allow her to use you. Use her the way she will be allowed to be used. So we just thank you, oh God, for the word that she's going to present tonight. We pray that the women who are listening would open up their minds, their hearts, just to hear the word that you have already given to her. Father God, we thank you for those who wanted to be here and could not. And we thank you for those who are still on their way. We will be so careful, oh God, to give you all the praise, honor, and glory as we pray for our sons, fathers, uncles, all of the men, husbands, and we pray for the men who are trying to be husbands, who will be husbands, oh God, as they take on another woman. We want to. We're not hearing you, Dr. Leslie. Amen. Yeah, we lost you for a while there. Oh, really? Again? Yeah. Good prayer going. But um, we'll go ahead and get started with Miss Doris. I don't know if it picked it up or not. So, Miss Doris, without further ado, I've already given you a little introduction on yesterday. Okay. Um, are you are you 93 or 94, Miss Doris? 93. 93. She's a 93-year-old powerhouse that I have to <laughs> down. I When I called and asked her if she would be a guest speaker, she said, hold on, let me check my calendar. <laughs> and she's not kidding. And when we started the call, she said that she was, um, she just picked up another volunteer opportunity. And uh, she volunteers at, and she, and I asked her one day, Miss Doris, do you um, enjoy doing this? And she uh, politely said, as politely as she could, joy. <laughs> and that is a great place to be. I loved her response. So I know without a shadow of a doubt, if she did not want to be here tonight speaking to you all, she would not be here. So thank you, Miss Doris, for penciling us now, pinning us into your schedule, and we thank you. The floor is yours. 
Oh, the pleasure is mine. Um, yes, I will introduce myself as the 93-year-old professional volunteer. <laughs> I am always looking for ways to be of service somewhere. I uh, was a teacher um, and um, in the past, so I love school and love children and just um, constantly learning. I also love inspiration. And from time to time, I will give you little quotations that I use to help inspire me and, and keep me going each day. Now, if I'm 93, that means my son is going to be 65. My daughter will be 69. I have twin grandsons and they are going, well, Monday, they're going to be 31 years old. <laughs> so, um, when I talked to Dr. Leslie and she used the word wisdom, I said, I don't think it's wisdom so much as it is experience. And I think we learn by experience and I think we also learn by our mistakes. In no way has my life or my uh, service these 93 years been perfect. I can almost pinpoint errors along the way, things that I wish had not happened uh, or that things had turned out differently. But um, I think somehow we have to move on and say, I will learn from that experience. Um, I will try to do better. I will try not to make the same mistakes again. So think of the word experience as opposed to wisdom. I don't know what your previous speakers have dealt with during the week. Could you give me just a little clue of perhaps their emphasis and what they were talking about? Well, remember when we talked, um, I was just saying to, you know, talk about your experience with your son and um, right. the book, and then just give the nuggets that, that you want to, as you wish. Okay. Um, the first thing I thought of that I would want to share with you is the word mother, because we are all mothers. And what a wonderful gift from God. It may have come through birth, childbirth, that you gave birth to this child. It's your biological child. You may have inherited this child. Um, sometimes by marriage, a child is brought into your family to be your son. Um, or by what other circumstance, I have a lot of young people in my life because I find they keep me young and I allow them to call me grandmother. And one of them said to me recently, I love to talk to you, grandma, because you tell such wonderful stories. Um, and I think that we need to recognize that no matter what our age, we can relate to young men, older men, even as old as my 65-year-old son. Um, so think about that word mother and the gift given to you by God through whatever circumstance. And maybe um, I'd like to know the name and age of your son or sons that you are uh, concerned about or thinking about at this time. Okay, I'll go. Okay. My son is Cardo, um, and he just turned 52 years old. Ah, mm -hmm. okay. Cardo's married, 
with uh, two children and he lives in North Carolina. All right, thank you. My son is Eric. He's 28 years old and he has a two month old daughter. And I cannot see that speaker. Who is the speaker? I'm sorry, my name is Rochelle Rivers. Oh, Rochelle, I see you in the middle. Yes. Yes, okay. And how old is your son? He's 28. 28, okay. Mm -hmm. And he has a two month old. Ah, tiny baby. And oh, someone yeah. up in the corner. You have some just kind of listening in. Oh. Miss Doris who can't okay. look somewhere and can't really converse. So okay, all right, that's fine, that's fine. But that was the first thing that I thought about. And uh, I may refer back to it several times. The other thing I did when uh, Dr. Leslie asked me to participate was I took out her book. Um, she gave me a copy of it. And I, um, when a book is given to me and it is mine, as I read, I read with a pencil in my hand. And I underline words or um, something on the page that may have special meaning for me. I may even write in the margin. I'm very tempted to do it to library books as well when I see words that I think uh, people ought to hear or listen to, uh, but I think they might take away my library card if I do that. <laughs> so I uh, refrain from doing it in library books. But then I set the book down and I was looking at the cover setting boundaries with your African-American son. And I told her she could leave out the word African-American because I think it, uh, it applies to mothers everywhere, no matter what the color of your skin, your nationality or whatever. And then at the bottom is a little line that says eight practical steps to take control of your life. And I looked at that and I thought, that's a very important statement because it doesn't say take control of your son's life. Take control of your life. And as I look back uh, over the years and I think about some of the problems with my son, um, it was my out of control, not his. I think one of the biggest mistakes I made was at the age of 35, I was encouraged to go to college and get a degree so that I could teach. But it, in order to do that, I had to do night school. I did five years of night school. David was probably 10 years old. Um, I would have to go off to school by six o'clock in the evening. My husband, Don, uh, came home from work. I had supper prepared. He had supper with the children, helped them with homework or whatever he needed to do and saw that they got put to bed. I got up in the morning, got them off to school. And then I went back to bed and slept perhaps until noon and then got up and did homework got ready for another night of night school. And looking back, I think that is perhaps one of the biggest mistakes that I made because it was, at also, it was also at that time after five years of night school, we moved and the two children were interrupted in their schooling. Um, 
David was in a school um, that was actually not meeting in his home school. They were, the children were transported every day to another location because the school was overcrowded. Uh, Ellen was, um, my daughter Ellen, was in high school and the schools in Ohio had midterm graduations and midterm starting dates. And so she was a midterm graduate. And uh, when we arrived, she was doing her last year of high school and she had to decide whether she would go back and do the beginning of 10th grade over again, or if she would be accelerated and finish up before the class, before the term was over. And so this was a very upsetting time for the family. Don also traveled in his job, which meant that uh, I was alone with the children. Uh, they were then big enough to stay alone. Well, then also I could go to day school because they were taken care of at lunchtime. In Cleveland, they came home for lunch. And so I always had to be home during the daytime. That's why I went to night school. So I can see that as a very troubling time as I look back. But as I did that, I thought, what could I do about it? And I also wrote nothing. It was something we all endured, we got through, but I see it as a time of um, a troubling time as I look back and say many of our problems could have been solved if I had been home. But at that time, I felt it was necessary or I wanted to become a teacher and the opportunity was given to me and I took it. Um, problems with our sons come in all sizes and shapes, some little troubles, some big, big troubles. Do you have paper and pencil available? Yes. Everybody have paper and pencil? Yes. Okay, it's not a test, <laughs> but I would like for you to divide the paper down the middle, draw a line. And on one side, I want you to write two characteristics of your son that you admire or appreciate. And on the other side of that line, I want you to write two things that are bothersome to you, a problem to you, something you would like to change. So take a minute and think about two things you admire and two things you wish you could change. Let me know when you are ready to share.
I'll share first. Okay. Um, for mine, my son, I wrote, he is a sweet, easygoing kid. And then um, the second one is he has a, a lot of wisdom, I think, for being so young. I always say, I think because I had him when I was 35, he picked up some of those old genetics. Um, mm -hmm. But then on the other hand, he can be lazy. He can be lazy and I have to tell him, I don't have to, but when I really want something done, uh, some of the things that I have to tell him to do, I feel like he should be doing them without me having to tell him. So those are the two. Okay. Someone else. Okay. I'll go. All right, Del Rose. Um, the two characteristics of my son is um, loving, he's smart, and I threw an extra one in there. He's a great listener. Great listener? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. Excellent listener. And uh, two things that I admire, um, his willingness to learn. Mm. And the other is um, that I wish I could change is he's not, well, how should I put that? Um, whenever he disagrees with you, um, he tends to lose his temper mm -hmm. in expressing himself. Mm -hmm. And that I wish I could change about him. Okay. That was all I wrote. I think there, I should have had a, a second one, don't I? It was I two. You have to. <laughs> yes. Okay. Sounds good to me. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Okay. Rochelle? Miss okay. Rivers or Miss Simpson? Okay. She's not on audio. Okay, I'm here. Okay. Sorry. Um, two things that I admire would be his charisma, um, his intelligence. And two things that I would change is his immaturity and his laziness. Okay. And does our other guest have audio yes um for me i have two sons one um one is 39 and one is 33 for my oldest son um i say old school and a lot of wisdom and a very caring heart so i have three for him mm -hmm. um <laughs> two things i would love to change about him is that because he's old school and a lot of wisdom, I think he knows it all. <laughs> I didn't hear the bat. What was the ending? He, you think he knows it all? Oh, oh. <laughs> all <right. laughs> um, and the second one, um, he gives too much of himself. Um, he has such a big heart. He gives 
way too much of himself. And I think he, well, I know he got that from me when I was younger. Uh (laughs) I was not like that. He, yeah, he got that from me. But I thought he would get better as he got older, but he hasn't. My um, second son, who's the youngest, uh, for him, he's very resilient and a very good listener. Um, Also has a very caring and compassionate heart. Um, What I would change in him little on the selfish side <laughs> um, because they're six years apart so he got kind of spoiled a little bit extra <laughs> so you think the world evolves around him uh-huh. <laughs> my um, the second thing I would change about him I'm he keeps stuff in a lot I wish he would talk more mm-hmm. hmm. that sounds very familiar to me the two that I wrote for my son was He doesn't answer phone calls. Now we live 600 miles apart. He lives in Ohio and he will not pick up the phone and I leave a message and I have to find now mysterious ways to let him know that I have some news for him or some information I think he really needs um, in order for him to get him to call me back. But it drives me wild that he will not answer his phone. And let's see, what was the second thing that I wrote? Um, oh, he's very independent. And that could go in either column. Because I love his independence. He has traveled all over the world, travels alone. He never married. Um, but he has a great time. He has friends all over the world. He has people that he will um, take on a trip with him because he has been to a country that they want to go to. Uh, I'm going to Paris next week. Do you want to go with me kind of thing? And um, it troubles me that I don't know where he is from time to time or what he is doing. Also, he has a um, congestive heart failure and diabetes, and I am concerned about his health. And then next to it, I wrote, what can I do about it? Which was easier to write, the good qualities, or did you have to stop and think about some problem areas? Which was easier to write? Good qualities, problem areas. Good qualities. The good qualities were easier to write. For me, yes. Yes. Both of them were easy for me to write, but the the problem areas, I had to narrow it down. Uh Uh-huh, okay. Since you only asked for two. Okay, all right. Did you feel that you could that you could write many more in the negative area than the, in the positive? Uh, maybe not many more, but, you know, there were more. There were others. I, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't have answers for you. I cannot tell you how to solve these problems, but I would like for you to think, what can I do about it? Is it something that you can 
encourage, um, do we want to change who they are? Remember the line on the book said, take control of your life, not his life. Does that make a difference when you look at that problem side? Are we trying to change this child who has good characteristics, who presents issues to us that we cannot change? I can't make David answer the phone, but I could have added probably six more things. He has a beautiful voice. He sings beautifully. Um, he's wonderful about choosing the right gift for me. I do crocheting. He went to a knitting store and bought yarn and gave it to me for Christmas. When my husband was living and he was um, incapacitated and um, using a wheelchair, he had had a stroke, David moved to Connecticut and I wanted very much to go and see where he was living and he was working in New York. And I would love to go to New York and go to the theater and all. And he said, mom, New York is no place for dad in a wheelchair. And I had to agree with him. But do you know, once my husband died, the following year, it was time for the US Open tennis matches in New York. And David said, mom, would you like to come to New York? for the tennis matches. And for seven years thereafter, I went and stayed with him in Connecticut, rode the train into the city. He went to work, I went to tennis, <laughs> called him on the cell phone and said, what train are we catching home? <laughs> I'll meet you in Grand Central Station. We would meet in Grand Central Station, hop on the train and go home. And every night he went to a different restaurant in a different part of Connecticut in the small little towns we ate Italian, we ate um, fish, we ate, um, oh, he loves Thai food, Thailand. And um, what to me was a turn down, mom, you can't come, to later on, mom, now is the right time to do it. And I can't tell you how much I value and cherish the memories of those seven years of going to the US Open. David and I are going to, or, or there's going to be a family wedding. One of my grandsons is getting married in Phoenix, Arizona. And because David is in the travel business or was in the travel business, he's not doing it right now, but he does all my travel. So he said, mom, we're going to leave on Tuesday. The wedding is on Friday. The following Tuesday, we'll come home. He said, I'm going to fly from Ohio to Atlanta I will meet you at the airport. The two of us will fly together from Atlanta to Phoenix. And he will do the same on the return trip home. We'll fly from Phoenix to Atlanta. And then he'll leave me here and he'll fly on to, uh, to Ohio back home. So, you know, there are so many other things that I could add to the right side, but it was so easy for me to put down David, you don't answer my phone calls. And David, I'm worried about your health. 
and there is absolutely nothing I can do. But what do I really do about it? And I think that's where our opening prayer says to God, when I can't do it, God, help me. God, look after him. When I pray at night, a part of my prayer is always, God, look after David. Is that helpful at all to hear? Yes. Yes. Have anything you think you can do about it? How much do you praise your son for the good side? And how much do you think that might help on the negative side? Is that a helpful thought? Mm -hmm. Not so helpful? Yeah, it helps. I'm not getting answers. <laughs> yes, no, maybe so. <laughs> yes, it helps a lot. It, it helps a lot. If you give them affirmation, they'll see more of the good than they will the bad, and they'll work on what they, what they feel is a problem because you're encouraging them the good, so the rest of it will actually decrease and the, and the other will increase. And right. I've noticed both of my signs. Right. Um, especially with my oldest son. I'm having issues with him, but I've noticed with both of my sons at a young age, they've always liked to be praised. I've always tried to give them praise. Um, I have to think before I say things because of the caring heart. My youngest, oldest son, he's very sensitive in certain things. And he's even that way even now. So I have to be very careful what I say because mm -hmm. I don't want to wound his heart. I don't want to wound his spirit. Um, I just have a problem with him because he's the one with the old soul and he can get along with anybody and everybody and hold a conversation with the Pope if the Pope was in front of him. That's the intelligence that he has, but everybody gravitates to him, even those that you don't want to gravitate to him. <laughs> <laughs> And he never, he, he never turns down anyone. That's his heart. He, mm -hmm. he, he, he think he can fix and heal everybody, but he's the one that's hurting now. And uh -huh. he won't, and he won't ask for help. Hmm. So. Anybody else have a comment? Yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast not long ago. Uh, this lady was giving strategies really from uh, mothers to but uh, wives to husbands. But you can use it for men because it's really just about the same, the encouragement piece. And so uh, she was encouraged to whenever she sees something that this man is doing that is negative, speak the opposite of mm -hmm. what you actually see. So yeah. this man, he would actually be like, just have this anger issue to where he would just blow up about anything. And so they went to um, her and him were going off about something. And instead of saying, you know what, you have anger issues. You just, ah, oh. this time she said, you know, I really, 
like your calm spirit. I like how you don't just get frustrated and angry over things. And the kid was right there and said, <laughs> and she was like, out of here, you know. And so the husband heard it and it was kind of like, so they had gone to a restaurant another day and normally when the husband would get upset about something that was, you know, going on, like if his food wasn't right, um, he didn't like the way they were being served, he would say, you know, this is just, you know, going off. But this time he was upset about something and he looked at her, he was like, you know, I, I don't, I, I stay calm about things. I don't get frustrated over things, right? <laughs> She said, I could not believe it. I could not believe it. But I also noticed the same uh, behavior with my son. Mm -hmm. Whatever I say to him, it goes in his head. And that is what he believes. Same with my husband. And so our words are so, so very key. But sometimes if we don't, if we're not cognizant about that, it's easy to just say, what do you, you know what I mean? Go, go off first, like what? You know what I mean? People used to say, men are just so stupid. But, and if you're raised that way, it's very easy to believe that, you know? Exactly. And so we have to train our thinking in, in yeah. order to say, Okay, I'm going to be positive because we know it's going to be better for them based off of our response. And we have more power than we believe or than we are using. Let me say that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Ms. Doris. Well, you mentioned husbands and just a word about my husband. Um, He had a very unusual childhood. His father died when he was six months old. Uh, his father worked on the railroad and he was cleaning a tank car, oil tanker, and he had a light bulb on a string or a cord and he dropped it down into the opening at the top of the tank car. Unfortunately, the um, uh, connection was frayed and it made a spark and it made an explosion. The tank car exploded. His father caught fire. Of course, he knew nothing about that, but uh, he had the article out of the newspaper and his father was running toward the river on fire. Mm. So he uh, was fatherless for a while. His mother remarried, uh, married a man who um, named George. Uh, They had two more children. So he has a half brother and half sister. Um, When he was 12 years old, his mother was pregnant with the third child by George. And she died in childbirth and the child died also. 12 years old, now he has no mother, stepfather. George had a sister living in Ohio that was in Pennsylvania where uh, Don was living as a child. His stepfather had a sister living in Cleveland. She had a husband, but was childless. And she invited her brother and these three children to come and live with her. And she helped to raise the three children. Well, Don was 12. And unfortunately, uh, George did not adopt uh, Don. 
And um, just a few of the stories that I heard about his childhood and living with George. Um, he was a bit unkind. And um, Don grew up very quickly and became very independent, looking after himself. And when I would confront, well, I guess not confront is the wrong word, um, say to Don, you know, David, is, I'm really having a problem with David. Don's answer was leave him alone. And it took me a long time to realize that that was how he was raised. He could not go to George because George just kind of pushed things aside. The one story that I heard that really um, hurt me was um, Don needed money for something at school. I don't know if it was a yearbook or uh, something in sports. I, I don't know exactly what it was, but he asked George if he could have the money. And George says, no, make yourself a shoebox and get some shoe polish and go down to the park and polish shoes. And I saw in George and Don's relationship with him, he never criticized his stepfather, who wasn't his stepfather, whatever. Um, but I saw this estrangement of, I can handle it myself. And so when I would go to Don with problems saying, you know, David just won't do this or he won't do that, or his room is a mess and he won't put his clothes in the laundry and things, uh, Don would just say, leave him alone. And so I think sometimes we have to look at what is the background of the father of this child or a husband and how he handles a particular situation. And I had to learn to leave him alone. Now he became, David became very independent very early. He went to college, off to college when he was just 17. When he graduated from college, he went to work. He never came home. He didn't live with us again, except for a short time in um, California. Uh, when he was changing jobs, he came home. And he was probably with us a month before he found another job and went off. But that's the only time he has come home, except when he retired. He came home and fortunately I had just had an automobile accident and I was so happy to have him home that he could help to take care of me. Um, and then he went off to work, he found another job and, and he's in Ohio. But um, I can see now why Don said what he did and handle it, handled problems the way he did. Leave him alone, he'll figure it out. And um, I realize now that that's a good way for me to handle the phone calls not being answered. Just leave it alone. Eventually he'll call you back when he gets ready. Oh, and recently someone said to him, um, David, call mom. And it was his sister who said to him, David, call mom. And David said, yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, means when I feel like it. <laughs> and I now that I know that's what the way I have to handle it, so it won't disturb me, it won't make me all upset. He'll get around to it when he feels like it and he'll call me. Now, I don't know if he knows about his sister's new house in Florida. I'm tempted to call him and tell him. But on the other hand, I think I'll just wait and see how he finds out without my telling him. <laughs> because he won't answer my call when I call him. <laughs> but that's okay too. 
it's a it's another way of handling it and i'll be satisfied and and he'll find out eventually so that's what i have written for husbands um Sometimes we feel that we're not doing enough to help our sons. But I wrote underneath that, doing the best we can. And I think so often we will just let something eat at us, eat at us, eat at us. Why can't this be solved? Why doesn't he do? Why, why doesn't he change? Why can't he handle? Why, why whatever? And if we would just say, I'm doing the best I can. Does that make sense? I think yes. there's a point at which you just say, I can't make him answer that phone. I can't ring, 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 ring until you answer. No, that won't help. I can't do that. So then I have to say, I'm doing the best I can. And I think that will relieve a lot of the guilt that we have that we're not making progress or that things are not changing the way we think they ought to change. Any comments? Miss Doris, do you ever like call more than once or do you just call once and feel like I call once and leave the message. This is mom. I need to talk to you or I haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? And uh, he's in a in the kind of job that could end any day. It's um, a computer job. And um, I worry that he might not have a job and he's living alone in an apartment and he's got rent and if he has no income, um, you know, that is something I think about, again, what can I do about it? Nothing if he doesn't answer the phone and tell me. So I've decided that's just something that I cannot, uh, I can't say worry, um, I can't change. And I'll accept that. <clears throat> and, um, there are other ways to reach him, um, to have my sister call him, to have my daughter call him. Um, and if they say I have some important news, um, family news or something. Um, but, you know, it's the little stuff. Like I haven't heard from him in a week. I haven't heard from him in two weeks. Why doesn't he call me? Why doesn't he answer? Yeah, I can't do anything about it. And I have to be in control of my life, not his. Amen. Okay, I have a couple of things I wanted to share with you about inspiration. Something I just thought of as I was sitting before I came into the bedroom to my computer. Each day is a new experience. We have not seen tomorrow. Um, this applies to our... Oh, this applies to our sons as well. They have not lived tomorrow, do not know what tomorrow holds. Yesterday and today may be failures, but what will tomorrow be like? <clears throat> Are we thinking tomorrow will be the same? 
um, I was thinking, you know, we've had some bad storms recently. What if the roof blew off my house? Where will I go? What can I do about it? My son can't help me. I wouldn't even bother calling him. I know that I should call the people who maintain the property and call them and say, put something on my roof to keep the rain out. And then let's get my roof fixed. So if I think what I can do as opposed to what I cannot do, I feel better. I have a daily prayer that I use. It's a morning prayer. Thank you, God, for another day. Please don't let me throw it away. Help me be thoughtful, kind, and good, and do the things a Christian should. May I be mindful of my fellow man, for I shall not have this day again. And that's called taking it one day at a time. And if we can forget about the past and think about the now and looking forward to the tomorrow. I also had an experience one morning looking out my bedroom window, getting up and it had rained in the night and there was a puddle in my driveway. And my thought was first to myself, I must be careful, I walk with a cane so when I go out to the mailbox, I have to be careful that I don't slip and fall. And I have to watch out for that puddle. And I started to turn away and I looked back and there was a little bird that flew down and took a bath in that puddle in the rainwater. And I thought, wasn't that wonderful that God sent the rain for that little bird to have a bath? Sometimes it just takes something to turn our mind in the opposite direction. I was so concerned about myself being careful and not falling. And the puddle was an interference in my pathway to the mailbox. But it was a bird bath for God's little bird. I also have a motto by which I live. I live by inspiration. Each day I try, and so, try to find something to inspire me. And it will certainly be this occasion with you today. I'll think about it all evening. I am sustained by memories and a life of 93 years. I have a lot of good memories and I can forget the bad ones. And I choose to be happy. And there are an awful lot of people who don't know that that's a choice. But you can get up in the morning and instead of looking at that puddle and say, why do I have to look out for that puddle out there? We can say, look at that beautiful bird taking his bath in the puddle. So that is my words of inspiration. And just before I, when I was getting on the computer, I have a friend who uh, from time to time sends inspirational quotations. What lies behind you and what lies in front of you 
pales in comparison to what lies inside of you. Mm. And I think that's where our thoughts, our inspiration, our um, goodwill, our blessings. I think that's where we should be looking more often instead of looking to the troubles on the outside. So that just happened to come up when I got on the computer today. I also um, have taken words of inspiration that I have found very often in reading books. Believe everything happens for a reason. And I think people come into our life for a reason. When I met Dr. Leslie, found out about Solid Foundation Christian Academy, wanting to work with children again. And I said to her, do you accept volunteers? And her answer was yes. And I found time to help the children in the school. It does wonders for me to be with those children. Life is too short to, to wake up with any regrets. Mm. Again, looking back, thinking all the things that I could have done better or uh, could have done another way or should have done, or should have, should have, should have, no, no. I try not to regret. And I love this one, live as a butterfly not as a caterpillar. <laughs> the caterpillar creeps along the leaf and the butterfly spreads its wings and sets off. Lord, remind me that nothing is going to happen to me today that you and I cannot handle together. Don't forget that there's always an opportunity for prayer. And God answers prayers. Experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Yes, how often we think, uh, if I just take this road, if I just do this thing, if I just do it this way, it's all going to work out. And then we found out, find out it's experiencing something we didn't even expect. And it wasn't what we we want it to begin with, but it could be a better ending altogether. Uh, there's also one about failure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nobody said life would be easy. They just promised it would be worth it. <laughs> yes, some days when I think, hmm, this may be my last day. I don't know if I want to put my feet on the ground and start moving. Mm -hmm. And then I think, what's the alternative? I don't like the alternative. I tell people I have to live at least until October 29th. That's when my grandson is getting married. <laughs> so I have a goal. <laughs> and I have a ticket. I have a ticket to Phoenix. And my son is going to meet me at the airport and we're going to go. So uh, sometimes we have to have goals set for ourselves to look after. Um, Let's see, live in such a way that those who know you but don't know God will come to know God because they know you. Don't forget that we're God's messengers. God has no voice but ours. 
no hands, no feet, but ours. Um, oh, here's the one that is so special. The only person that can be called a failure is one who quits trying when he still has a good chance to succeed. Don't stop too soon. There's a possibility for success. And remember that we're going to change who we are, our lives, and perhaps not succeed at changing our sons. Mm. That's it right there. That's my inspiration. That is awesome, awesome. Uh, I just want to open it up for questions. Uh, as oh, please, we please. Comments. Yes. Ms. Doris, I have a question. Yes. Um, I can only imagine that it would be painful for me to call my son, or I have a daughter, I have two children, a boy and a girl, to try to reach um, any of them and don't know when I'm going to hear from them. Mm -hmm. um, so my question is, have you ever tried texting him? Oh, see, I am not very good at the computer. Okay. I have a cell phone. I don't know how to answer it. Okay. I called and they told me what to do. I tried it and it didn't work. So I. The next I, time you are with your son, ask him to show you <laughs> the, the easiest way to text and, and, and just practice that because I believe if you're able to just text him and it's very simple once you start using it, just you will begin to have conversations with him. It's worth a try. It is. Please. And, and I will try. Yeah. I will try. I can do it on my cell phone. Yes. Or I can do it on the computer. <laughs> with the grandchildren or the children who, who visit with you, ask them to show you. I have had lots of people help me. Well, keep doing it. It takes well, time. I don't practice enough. Right. It takes and, time. And, and you see, I don't like the computer. I don't like my cell phone. Right. But, but once so that's, that's my fault. That's my fault. But that's, that is a yeah. good idea. I will see if that begin, works. I'll try it. Okay. Once you begin to right. get I'm encouraged. Yeah. You'll be sending pictures. You, it's a whole new life. And, and suddenly you can talk, see your son in person. I will try. I will do it tonight. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Anybody else have comments? Yes. Yes. Ms. Doris, first of all, I want to say God bless you. 94 years. I just pray that I get close <laughs> to 90. <laughs> Take it one day at a time. And that's what I do. But the fact 94 years is, is a blessing in itself. <laughs> and I'm sure that um, the generation is different than what it was. When oh, you my heavens, yes. Up compared to our generation now and the kids now. So what do you see different in you raising your son compared to the sons being raised now? Okay, I was a child of the depression. There were three children. 
uh, two years apart. My brother was two years older. I'm the middle child, one of those problem middle children you hear about. And then my sister is two years younger. So she's now, well, 91, I'm 93. Okay. Um, I think the thing that we learned from the depression was to share. We did not have a refrigerator. We had an ice box. We had to have the ice man come and bring ice. But my aunt who lived next door, her husband worked on the railroad and he worked every day during the depression. And she had a refrigerator. And so if we wanted to make something like jello that had to sit in refrigeration, and if our ice box, the ice was getting low, it would not gel. She allowed us to put it in her refrigerator and make jello. We had two bicycles for three children. There was a boy's bicycle and a girl's bicycle. Well, there were two girls. So my sister got the girl's bicycle. I rode, I learned to ride a boy's bicycle. And usually my sister and I would do things together that I had my brother's bicycle, we shared. When it was time to get shoes, if your shoes were worn out, you went to the shoe store and got a new pair of shoes. But if your shoes were still good, you didn't get new shoes that day or that time. The second thing is I graduated from high school at the end of the Second World War. So I was in high school during the Second World War. Um, we had, I think, 16 boys and 45 girls in the graduating class because a lot of the boys, well, I talked about the midterm graduation and I was a midterm graduate. And uh, many of the boys went to summer school so that they could go into the military because they could choose what branch of the military they wanted to go into as opposed to waiting until they were drafted into the army. And so there were um, prom dates were at a premium. Um, and my mother had a friend over at the house one day. They were making blankets for the hospital for the um, veterans. And uh, she said, oh, Doris, are you going to the prom? And I said, no, I don't have a prom date. She said, oh, my son is coming home on leave. He was in the Navy. And I knew the family and I knew the son. And she said, I know he'd be glad to take you. So I got a prom date. <laughs> um, I mean, there are things like this that occurred in my life that I look back at them and think, gee, that really was a problem. But somehow it got solved. Yeah. Um, my husband had a brain surgery, which was followed by a stroke. And he lived 15 years with that stroke, and I was caregiver. Mm -hmm. It meant I had to give up teaching, except we volunteered at the library. He could do a job sitting down at the table. He didn't have full use of his right hand, but he could do things with his left hand. He could shelve books by holding on to the cart and then taking the books off or the magazines off and putting them on the shelf, whatever. And I would go with him and I would do typing at the library while he was doing the jobs that he could do. As a result of that, one day the librarian came to me and the woman in charge of volunteers. And she said, do you think Don would like to volunteer in a program called the Laubach system? Each one teach one where you got a person who wanted to learn how to speak and read and write English. And it was one on one on one person. I mean, you just had one student. And I said to her, oh, I don't think he's up to it, but I would love to. 
And I was assigned a student from Czechoslovakia, had come to the United States, had escaped when it was under uh, Russian domination. I don't know if it's still under Russian. No, it's not under Russian control, but it's communist. Um, and he wanted to become a citizen and he had been in the States for five years. So Lotsi and I worked together until um, he could um, apply for uh, citizenship. One day I said, Lotsi, how could you leave Czechoslovakia and not tell your parents where you were going? And he said, oh, I couldn't tell them because if they knew and the people came and interrogated them to try and track him down, mm -hmm. he said they would find ways to harm them and get them to tell where he was and where he had gone. And I said, oh, Lotsi, how could you do that? And his words to me were, I had to be free. And I thought, I never thought of what freedom meant to me until he told me that, what he endured, going, traveling through Europe, and they had networking where he would meet someone and they would say, oh, I have a friend in Austria. Here is the address. They will help you from Austria to Germany, Germany to the Netherlands, Netherlands to England, England to the States. There were five men sharing an apartment in San Francisco. And he said, uh, the way that we are learning English is when we speak to each other at the table, if we change and speak into Czech language, he said, we have to put money in a jar on the table. And I said, oh, and then you use that for money to go to the movies? And he said, no, that's our money for food. Mm. Lotsi taught me so much more than I ever taught him about becoming a citizen. That also gave me the opportunity to lead classes when we moved back here to, uh, to Ohio or to uh, Atlanta because we no longer um, afford to live in California because Don was not working and I was not working, okay? So um, I taught citizenship classes for a while through the church here. Um, but a very wonderful thing happened. God was so kind to me. November 3rd, 2003, four o'clock in the morning, Don said to me, Doris, I can't lie in bed any longer. I have to get up. I said, okay, I tried to say, you know, I'll prop you up with a pillow, I'll do this, I'll do that. No, 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 I have to get up. So I took him into the living room in the wheelchair, put him in the recliner. And I said to him, do you want me to cover you with a blanket? And he said, yes. And I turned and went to the couch to get the cover for him. Turned around, he took two deep breaths, mm. closed his eyes and died mm. of uh, cardiac arrest. Mm. He just went to sleep. God was so kind to me that I had those 15 years with him. He was an excellent traveler. We did an awful lot of traveling. I was the driver, but um, wonderful, wonderful husband. He was a mechanical engineer and there were things he learned to do. He wanted to type a letter on the typewriter and he couldn't use his right hand and he couldn't hold down the shift and type the letter in capitals. But he discovered if he put on the shift lock, he typed in all capitals and double spaced the letter so that he could write to his friends. Another thing we discovered when we were eating, it was difficult for him, particularly in a restaurant, 
um, to get the food to his mouth because he was using his left hand, which was not as steady as he was a right-handed person when he could use the right hand. So we took a napkin and we took, you know, at the dentist office, they put the little chain around your neck and clip it to the paper napkin around you when they're working on you. Well, we would take the napkin in the restaurant and then we would put it under the, the uh, dish of food if it was soup or his plate or whatever. So that with his left hand, when he was eating, if food dropped, it would drop onto the napkin and not drop onto his clothing or onto the floor. <laughs> he was very, very clever at figuring out ways to do things. And the other thing that he taught me was, he would say, I guess I can't do that anymore. And I'm finding now with my disability, I have fallen and have a compression fracture in my back and it cannot be operated on. And he, uh, and I walk with a cane. And I find that if I'm reaching for something and I can't reach it, I'll say to myself, I guess I can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. So he has left me with a wonderful, wonderful way to manage my life at the moment. Yeah. But I look forward to every day. And like I say, I also associate with young people. I have had uh, 21 foreign international uh, college students through a program called AMI, where uh, they sign up at the college to be in the program and they recruit volunteers to be a friend to them. It's just friendship and hospitality. And I have had wonderful um, college students from around the world that I still keep in touch with. So that also keeps me young in spirit. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, something else too, um, I have heard Ms. Doris say is, I'm going to visit the old people today. Oh. <laughs> I sit with a group of seniors and we go to sing in nursing homes. And so I don't know how else to refer to them. So I'm going to sing to the old people. <laughs> so I have a good life. I have a very good life. I have wonderful friends. I have a friend close by here who, well, two sisters who live together in the complex, um, in the condos, and um, they are constantly looking after me. And um, can we go to the store for you? For my birthday, they gave me a great big fresh tomato. <laughs> and it was the best birthday present I had. I think I had three, me three meals from that one big like, red tomato. <laughs> And the other thing, I like to make people laugh. Um, I, I crochet and I crochet sometimes to keep awake because if my hands are busy, I, I don't fall asleep, but I sit and watch a lot of TV. So I crochet potholders while I'm doing it. I have a hundred sets at the present time right now because I always <laughs> make them in sets of two. You have to have two to take something out of the oven or out of the microwave. So one day I was going to the post office and the post office has been very kind to me because I have to carry my mail in a bag or whatever I'm taking to mail if it's a package. I have to get it out. I have to get my credit card out of my purse and they're so patient with me. So I put four pair of potholders in my bag and went off to the post office and a young man took care of me. Well, there were four windows but there were only three people working that day. And when the young man finished, I said, you have been so kind and so helpful and patient with me. I said, 
I have a reward for you. And I gave him a set of potholders. Well, he held them up and the other two people saw them. And I said, don't worry, I have potholders for you as well. <laughs> and all three people in the post office. And I said, you are working and helping me. I said, you deserve to be rewarded. So this was your reward for the day. Well, I had one pair of potholders left and I went to the dollar store because I needed some greeting cards. Um, I have lots of birthdays coming up. And so um, checking out, I was the only person in line. There was no one else checking out at the time. So I took the set of potholders out and I handed them to the clerk. And I said, I thank you for being so patient with me and you are working hard and you deserve a reward. And I gave her also a set of potholders. So I am making people happy along the way, smiling, thank you, yes. I have and, my uh, two sets. Pardon? I said, I have my two sets, my brown and yellow and my blue. <laughs> Every time I see them, I they remind me of you. Ms. Doris made those. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. And I have lots more and that uh, I'm going to take one bag. I have a bag of 30 and there are not a total of 30 women in our uh, circle at church. And when we start meeting in September, I will take the bag and I will distribute them to the ladies in my circle. And I'll find other ways to. Um, also, I was invited to speak to um, uh, by Zoom, I belong to a quilt group out in California and we live there and I am past president of the group. And I spoke to the group by Zoom one time and they are having speakers each month and I get the Zoom on my computer. And um, the people that, who are speaking are speaking from the past. They're um, 25 years old, the organization. They're celebrating their 25th anniversary. And so, whoever the speaker is, I always send them a note. Thank you for reminding me of all the good times we had in the past and send them potholders. So that's the other thing I'm taking to the post office and mailing. And um, yeah, oh, and also people who come to help me. Uh, the man who came to uh, check on my air conditioner to make sure it was working before this hot, hot weather came. I said, no, before you leave, I want you to choose a set of potholders. And I had a young man and he had only been with the company four months. So I knew he was very young. And um, I said to him, um, I want you to choose from those. I had three or four sets out on the bed. And I said, just choose a set of potholders. And he actually looked at them and said, I think my wife would like this color. Mm -hmm. And I thought, how thoughtful of you to choose something that you thought she would like. So it makes me happy and that's what I'm doing with them. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good place to be in, to end because it goes with what you said earlier. I choose to yes. be to happy. Be, and choose to make other people happy. Yeah, and especially if you see somebody not happy, try to make them laugh or, or at least smile. Uh, good morning, how are you? Yes. Oh, that's a pretty purse you have, something to make them feel good. Yeah. And spread it around. We sure can use it. Amen. And don't forget to pray. Don't forget to pray. My sister out in Phoenix, Arizona was caught. Uh, they had a 70 mile an hour wind and she had a flag outside. And she said, oh, I better get outside and take down my flag. And she went outside 
she got caught in a whirlwind that actually picked her up off the ground, whirled her around and threw her down on the ground. She has three broken ribs and internal bleeding in the hospital. And um, you never know what other people are suffering and, and you know what they have to endure. So try to spread the joy around. And when you can't do anything, pray and ask God to, to help you. Yeah. Amen. I believe in prayer. Yes, we do too. Yeah. Well, thank you, Ms. Doris. You have been absolutely wonderful as usual. I love to hear you talk. <laughs> I, you know, just to hear your experience. I won't say wisdom. But yeah, right. Please say experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, and it's those small nuggets that mean so much because I remember when you told me you choose to be happy. That was like profound to me at that moment. I'm like, not oh, profound at all. It is a choice, well, you know? So I'm going to go ahead and end in prayer. And thank you once again. I'm going to email you this video uh, afterwards just so that you have it. And oh. you want to look back at it later. Oh, thank you. Or share it with your son, you know, or share it with your son. <laughs> My sister, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes, yes. Well, it's been my pleasure. I hope that this has been a pleasant experience for all of you. And yes, it has. Thank you. God, God bless you. To you as well. Thank you. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, oh God, for this opportunity to listen to Miss Doris speak. We thank you, Lord, that she gave us experiences, uh, that she shared experiences with us that now we can carry and we can learn from and we can grow from. Learn better, do better. And just in the event that we don't know what else to do, there's always prayer and we will choose to be happy. So we thank you, oh God, for each and every woman who is on this call tonight. We thank you, Lord, for allowing them to just be a part of this growth factor and what you are doing in the earth. And we just thank you, oh God, as we continue to enjoy the rest of our weekend, we will be so careful to give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you again. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Dr. Leslie Inspires. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Also, for more content and resources, please be sure to visit our website, www.drlesslieinspires.com. We'll see you in the next episode.